Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm happy to have you tuning in, whether it's over the airwaves on any of the podcasting sites that were now available, including iHeartRadio, or if you're checking out our new and improved YouTube channel, which will be featuring videos with even additional content uh, every week, so don't miss us there. What we're going to be touching on this week is a topic we've already heard quite a bit about in prior episodes, and that's retirement planning. But what we want to focus on in particular is the retirement planning for a small business owner. So small business owners are a bit different in quite a few ways. But when we talk about retirement, everyone can define it in their own terms. I know we've said, you know, it may be sailing across the globe or it could just be going for a walk on the local beach. That's up to you to determine what retirement should look like. And if you're hoping it'll be one year or 40 years, that's all on a case by case basis. But what we're going to talk about is how to plan ahead and have choices when you get there. And what's different about a business owner versus the rest of the nine to five world? Well, I think a business owner actually has two distinct advantages. Typically speaking, they love their work or else they would not have been able to succeed and their business would have crumbled long ago. So having that enjoyment of, you know, being the man or the woman on the job and and running the show hopefully affords them the opportunity to stay in the workplace longer than a lot of other people that already have that finish line in mind of hanging it up at age 60 or age 65, uh, whatever's been on their radar. So I think that's one thing that's pretty unique to a business owner. The other is, of course, you know, with the buck stopping with them, typically a business owner has the autonomy to adapt the way in which they want to work, whether it be appealing to a new market segment following a new passion, rebranding the business into uh, a new sector that's more appealing to them. So there is quite a bit of control that the average employee is not going to uh, have available to them. So that's the first thing, is that enjoyment and control of the workday. The second advantage is that actual workday. When the boss or the employer gets closer to that stage of retirement, Usually he or she will have the option to either work in a different capacity. Perhaps they want to stay on board, but part-time and be of counsel or consult to the heir parents that are taking over that company. Or maybe they just want to work the same hours, but from home and, you know, report into their executives uh, via webinars and everything else that technology allows us. So those are all decisions that the business owner typically has the opportunity to uh, decide on or at least negotiate with the uh, future owners of that business. So quite a bit different than the nine to fiver who if they're not excited by their job or they've decided it's time to move on, usually they're shown the door uh, with few exceptions in the telecommuting space nowadays where maybe if you have a strong relationship with your boss, They'll be willing to work out a schedule to keep you on board uh, part-time or a little bit on your terms. But by and large, that's something unique to a business owner. So the point of all that is a business owner might not look at retirement like the average Joe. They might say, I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to keep working in a different capacity. Or they might say, you know, I'll retire, but 
I don't know when we'll see how the business goes or what I can turn this whole business into or if my kids are taking it over or a thousand other you know, potential scenarios. Nevertheless, one of the things we really want to focus on here, and if I could quote a statistic for everybody, according to the Center for Retirement Research, one third of retirees leave work sooner than expected. And that's also including our business owner friends. So what that means is that we have you know, possibly been going through this accumulation phase for quite a long time, you know, thinking in the back of our head what retirement should look like, and then eventually it gets forced upon us much sooner than expected. What are some of the main reasons that that occurs? Number one is typically health issues, okay? As we get older, maybe our health deteriorates, we get a diagnosis we weren't hoping for, and now all of a sudden we can't work. The other thing is going to be familial issues, okay? Those with our family, where maybe we're healthy enough to work and we love what we do, but now all of a sudden we have to stay home more to take care of an ailing spouse. Or maybe mom or dad has moved in with us and uh, is requiring a lot of our time to care for them and tend to whatever their needs may be. So the point of this is, whether we're a business owner or an employee, the need for retirement planning certainly still exists. So let's talk about what a business owner do, excuse me, what a business owner can do today to prepare for whatever that retirement may be. And what we're going to do, we're going to go through the different phases of a business cycle to see which plans or which strategies apply best to that current situation. All right, so the first thing that's going to be available as it is to most everybody is just a traditional IRA, okay? That's a traditional individual retirement account. And now a business owner that just started up their company might be saying, hey, I was able to do that before, just you know, doing whatever work I was. Now you're telling me that's step one for a business owner? And the answer by default is yes. So if you just started a company and you're making a little bit of money, you know, maybe just you at this point, or maybe you just have a partner. So it's a very, very entry level stage of the business. And you're saying, all right, well, we're at least making a few bucks. Where can we put it? In, in regards to retirement, the first option would be, again, the traditional IRA. So as of 2020, you're allowed to contribute $6,000 a year into that plan. Or if you're over the age of 50, you have a $1,000 catch-up provision, which means that you can contribute up to $7,000 a year. Again, the way that that works is that is a deduction against your income. All right, So that would be fully deductible. So hypothetically, if Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner made $100,000 and they contributed $6,000 to their IRA, in that tax year, they'll only face income tax on that $94,000, okay? So it's kind of like $6,000 flew under the radar for the time being. But please bear in mind, as far as the income tax owed on that, we're simply kicking the can down the road, okay? That is a deferral. So I always want to be clear on this. It is not a tax savings. It's a tax postponement. And at a future point in time, of course, we will pay income taxes on those distributions. All right, so that's a traditional IRA. Very easy to set up. There's, through many companies, no minimum. And again, you're allowed up to $6,000 or $7,000 over age 50 of annual contributions. Once that money's in that IRA, you have quite an array of investment choices. You could be investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, a whole slew of things. So it's, it's certainly uh, very flexible in that respect. 
And that would probably be the easiest, quickest, simplest solution for retirement planning, albeit there are those caps I mentioned on annual contributions. On the flip side, if you're saying, well, I'm still in that scenario, but you just scared me a little bit about kicking the can down the road, you may be able to contribute to what's called a Roth IRA. All right. If you want more detail, go back to one of our earlier episodes called the Roth Option, in which we discuss it at greater length. Again, the Roth IRA kind of flips that case uh, on its ear and says, all right, money that goes in goes in post-tax. It grows tax-free. And then when distributed uh, you know, correctly in retirement after the age of 59 and a half in a Roth IRA that's been around for over five years, the money will come out tax-free. All right, so that does afford you some tax-free growth, which I know we all love. So that's our other option. And with the same uh, contribution limits, 6,000 and 7,000 over age 50. All right, that's your Roth IRA. Quick footnote to that. In 2020, if your adjusted gross income is over $124,000 and you file single, your contributions will begin to get restricted uh, to the Roth IRA. Okay, so there is an income cap. That was, again, $124,000 if you file single. If you're married filing jointly, that limit now is going to be $196,000. If you make above that your adjusted gross income, you will be phased out of the Roth IRA until you eventually can't contribute at all. And now you can possibly take advantage of what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. We'll save that for another episode. Okay. So that's if you're, again, at the very beginning stages of a company or you're a contractor, consultant, any 1099 employee, and you say, hey, I want to set up a retirement plan for myself. I don't have a ton of money yet. I want to do something kind of easy, you know, not too complex. Introduce the traditional or the Roth IRA. Step one. Now you're saying, all right, well, I am still relatively small in regards to employee size for my company. But we're doing really well at this point and we're turning quite a nice profit. There's a lot of money to go around and I better do a better job at this point of saving for retirement. Now let's talk about what's called a SEP IRA. All right. What that stands for is a simplified employee pension IRA, individual retirement account. Very similar to the traditional IRA that I just mentioned. However, in this instance, you're now allowed to contribute up to $57,000 a year or 20% of the net adjusted self-employment income. It's going to be the lower of those two, all right? But in theory, if you're saying, what's the most I can put away pre-tax for retirement, there's your answer, $57,000 to a SEP IRA. Again, you should be able to contribute to the same type of investments within that IRA as the account that I mentioned previously. So very similar, just with a much higher uh, contribution limit. So you're saying, well, that sounds pretty cool. Who's that ideal for again? Again, this is either a company with very few employees, or if you're just a self-employed person, perhaps you're a consultant, or like I mentioned before, a 1099 contractor, uh, just a, a business owner that has no employees. Those are all ideal types of scenarios. And the reason why is if you do have eligible employees, you now have to contribute to SEP IRAs on their behalf. Okay, how does that work? Let's start first with what is an eligible employee. All right, to be an eligible employee, you have to be over the age of 21. 
you have to have worked for that company for at least three of the past five years, and you have to have made at least $600 in the prior calendar year, okay? Now, as an employer, if you're saying, well, I wanna help out my employees, I, I wanna reward my staff and help them save for retirement, you could certainly lower those benchmarks, but you can't make it any more restrictive than that. Again, that's over the age of 21, working three out of the last five years and earning over $600. Now you have an eligible employee on your hands. How does that affect you? Like I just mentioned, now you have to contribute to their plan on their behalf. How much do you have to contribute is probably your next question. And the answer to that is going to be a equal percentage of their salary versus what you have contributed, okay? So if you made, let's say, $300,000 last year as the business owner, and you wanna contribute 10% to your SEP IRA, you put $30,000 into your IRA, that money is all deferred, but now you must also contribute 10% to your employee's SEP IRA. And your young employee there made $50,000 this year, so now you have to contribute 10% or $5,000 to their plan. As you could imagine, if you start to grow employee-wise, okay, not just in income, but if you now have a company with 10, 15, 20 employees, maybe they're all eligible, this can become pretty costly. And you'll quickly ask yourself, all right, I'm getting you know, a tax deduction here for myself, but I'm also shelling out a ton of money to all these other little SEP IRAs for my employees. Does it even make sense here, financially speaking? And the answer might become no, it might be you know, cost prohibitive. And that's where the SEP IRA might eventually become a uh, non-option for that business owner, okay? Another thing to remember too, those employees are immediately 100% vested in all contributions, all right? So you can't put any strings attached there to say, hey, you haven't worked here long enough. I'm gonna take back some of that money I put in. It's kind of like a little golden handcuff. Not gonna work with the SEP IRA. All right, so next up, kind of in a similar vein, where now we're profitable, we wanna put away a little bit more money, but you're saying to myself, you know, a SEP IRA, that just really ain't for me. What else is out there? You could consider what's called a simple IRA. And we'll get you what that acronym means. That stands for a savings incentive match plan for employees, okay? This is gonna be eligible for companies that have less than 100 employees. And the way in which it works is the employer has to now contribute either a matching contribution up to 3% of that employee's comp compensation, or they can do what's called a non-elective deferral of 2% for each eligible employee. What that means is whether the employee wants to contribute or not, you're still giving them 2% of their compensation into their own simple IRA, okay? So big difference here on the SEP IRA, that's all employer money, right? The employees do nothing there. That's all for the boss to fund. Now with the simple, the boss is making either that match or that non-elective deferral. And the employees also have the option to put their own money into the simple IRA and save for their own retirement, okay? Next logical question, how much, okay? In 2020, the limits are $13,500 a year or if you're over the age of 50, you can put in $16,500 a year, all right? Now, both of the options I just mentioned, the SEP IRA and the simple IRA, 
are relatively easy to set up. The cost, the administration fees and such are quite low. Uh, in some cases, there really may not be any. Um, so they're, they're pretty easy to organize. But as you can tell by what I've discussed, they don't fit every scenario for a growing company. The SEP IRA quickly becomes cost prohibitive if we've got a lot of employees. And the simple IRA may not get us quite the deduction that we want. It still may be costly to match all those employees. And once we go over 100 employees, it's not even an option. So that would be off the table. So let's go to step three. Okay, the company has grown dramatically. Now we have a thriving business. We have a lot of employees. We're profitable. What's next? Now let's enter the 401k. All right. 401k, I know we've talked a lot about that in the past, but this is kind of like the ultimate, if you will, in retirement planning for a for-profit company. Uh, there's certainly other plans out there, guys, if you're in the nonprofit space or the teaching world, <clears throat> excuse me, or in the government sector, you hold a lot of different acronyms, acronyms like a 403b, 457, uh, thrift savings plan. None of those are going to apply to the business owners that we're addressing today. Okay. The business owner would then set up a 401k. Now what happens is employees and the business owner can defer up to $19,500 a year. Or if they're over the age of 50, you get to put away an extra $6,500, which would bring you up to $26,000 a year. So a pretty nice tax deduction. Or you could even set up a Roth option in there where you could do all of those contributions on a Roth basis to create a lot of tax-free money for later on. All right, so that's how the 401k would work. And now an employer is not locked into certain contributions every year. Um, however, some of the things you wanna be very aware of is what's called anti-discrimination testing. That's gonna be present in the form of what's called the ADP test or the actual deferral percentage and the ACP, which is the actual contribution percentage. Why do those tests exist? They exist to make sure that the 401k was not put in place just for the business owner or those highly compensated employees to use the plan while all the rank and file don't even really take advantage of it. Okay, That would be what we consider a top-heavy plan. So you go through that testing to make sure that you're compliant as a business owner, or you can circumvent quite a bit of that by setting up what's called a safe harbor 401k. What the safe harbor does is it waives a lot of that testing, so it kind of cleans up the picture, but now the business owner has to either make a matching contribution or a non-elective deferral for his or her employees, okay? So that's where, you know, it's good to kind of do a analysis of your employee population and say, all right, what's really the goal here of the plan? Is it so that the highly, uh, highly compensated and the business owners and the partners can put away a lot of money for deferral? Uh, then we might attack that from one angle, or is it more, you know, we want to attract and retain key employees and we want to, you know, reward them for being a part of the company. That would all dictate often how you set up that matching or that non-elective deferral, uh, depending on what the ultimate goal is and your employee base to see how expensive this whole thing could be to, uh, to operate. All right. Keep in mind the total that can be contributed to one plan through one employer, again, is going to be $57,000 a year, okay? With the catch-up, if you're over 50, that can go up to $63,500 a year. 
That's from all sources. So that could be an employee's deferral, a match, a profit sharing, all of those factors, they cannot exceed a total of 57,000 or 63.5 if you're over the age of 50, okay? So those are all things to kind of keep in mind. The 401k, as you could imagine, is a little bit more cumbersome. There's certainly a lot more reporting that goes along with that. So of the plans that I discussed today, that would be the most expensive to implement. Usually it comes with a startup cost, um, a TPA is often involved, a third-party administrator, and then there's annual reporting that the uh, plan sponsor has to do. So all of those things do cost some money, and the employer might bear those costs, or a lot of them can actually be passed on to the employees, all right? Again, depending on what the goal is of the plan. So that would be kind of the culmination of the qualified retirement planning space uh, for a business owner. Now, of course, we haven't touched on a lot of other alternatives that I think are probably a little bit too broad for just our quick weekly podcast, but there's many other ways to plan for retirement. We could do a whole episode on non-qualified deferred compensation. All right, these are ways that a business owner can have a little bit more flexibility in how they want to craft a plan for their retirement and even coordinate that with their executives or through a buy-sell agreement. If you want to learn more, let me know. Again, please email me at thecadernapodcast at gmail.com or reach out via Facebook or LinkedIn. Again, the Caderna Podcast is on pretty much most of those social media sites. So let us know whatever you want to hear. But if you'd like more on deferred comp, there's a lot we can address there. And I'd be happy to share that information with you. Okay. And then there's certainly other ways you can save your assets and grow your wealth. A business owner might be saying, you know, forget all that stuff that's in the stock market. I would prefer just to own real estate and I would prefer to buy the building that I've been leasing so far for my company and then maybe buy the other office buildings or warehouses that we're working through and accumulate their wealth through real estate. Right? Plenty of business owners take that angle. You might do those deferred comp plans. You might just say, hey, I don't want to be bothered with all that retirement uh, rules and restrictions and reporting and the fact that pretty much all of it is age 59 and a half sensitive where I can't really touch that money very easily until that age. So I'd rather just keep all my money in brokerage accounts and uh, non-qualified plans that I have access to, to stay liquid and to expand my business. Third way, seen plenty of business owners operate through their estate planning via cash value life insurance, where they use those cash values to fund a lot of their other ventures or their college planning, retirement planning, and so forth. Uh, again, if you didn't know, Walt Disney actually started Disneyland with the help of a policy loan from his life insurance policy. So that's another method to accumulate wealth. And then last but not least is that actual business. Okay, that business you're growing, hopefully you're maximizing its value over time. And eventually when you do decide to step away, you've created a buy-sell agreement or some arrangements that'll be able to sell that business for the maximum value, okay? Whether it be to competitors, to vendors, to the rising star within your company, uh, or if you're just kind of unwinding and liquidating the business, uh, there certainly should be some value in all of that. So as you can imagine, there are plenty of ways to get to the finish line. I'm not here to tell you which is the right or wrong one, just over an episode. Uh, but please keep all of this information in mind 
and hopefully it can help you decide at whatever stage it is in starting your business, which all begins just with an idea, how as you create that business and dive into that passion, you can simultaneously prepare for your golden years. Whether you want to have golden years or not, again, retirement's a choice for some, and for others, it's just kind of a forced hand. So either way, be ready, get in the know, and start planning today. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Please spread the good word. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're tuning in, and tell your friends about all this. All right. I just read a quote the other day in my calendar by uh, Benjamin Franklin that said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. And I couldn't agree more. And I hope that you have found this episode helpful as well. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. and Take care. The Kaderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, Pass 300 Broad Acres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. Nine 973-244-4420. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA, SIPC. California Insurance License Number, OK04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.